United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. What is the situation in Afghanistan? A ceasefire that the Taliban has accepted to mark the end of Ramadan. Let's make some sense of it. Scott Warden is joining us on POTUS. Scott is the director of Afghanistan and Central Asia programs at the United States Institute of Peace. The Twitter handle is at USIP. Scott, welcome. Thanks for being here today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, so a ceasefire and the Taliban says I. What did, give us some perspective on this. Well, this is a significant development. The Taliban have not agreed to a ceasefire since they began the insurgency shortly after 2001. Um, We got here because President Ashraf Ghani, um, also somewhat surprisingly, announced a unilateral ceasefire last week that would be for five days starting yesterday. And there were real questions and doubts about whether the Taliban would accept it. Um, They wound up Uh, saying, yes, we will accept a ceasefire with conditions for three days that mark the Eid festival at the end of Ramadan. And now I think all eyes are looking to see, does this actually happen and does it stick? Now, that said, according to a story from Al Jazeera that the Taliban has killed a governor, a district governor, this despite the truth. I'm not sure how much information you have on that, but uh, that sounds to me like uh, a violation of this agreement. Well, it certainly could be. I think the, the facts are still coming in on that. You know, the, the history of ceasefires and particularly ones that are not pre-negotiated in advance. This is kind of a, an offer and then a challenge and an acceptance. Um, the history of those is that they are quite fragile and they're often broken. I think the real question is, uh, how do the parties respond to that? This is supposed to be a trust-building exercise. You have a ceasefire not just to save lives, which is, of course, the most important, but also to show that small agreements can be honored and then you can move to bigger decisions. And so often what will happen is there will be communication between the two sides if there is a violation. Um, Did you do this? Who is responsible? Do you condemn it? And can you control your forces? so that uh, this doesn't escalate and actually break the agreement overall. I think one of the difficult features of a ceasefire is that, while it's negotiated at a top political level within the respective movements, um, any soldier that doesn't agree with it or doesn't get the message can violate it. And so controlling that and making sure that incidents are limited is the key task during the ceasefire. That is an excellent point, is that the the word has to get out, number one, and everyone has to buy into it. I wonder if you think, or you could give us some sense, Scott Worden, whether or not the Taliban's influence and power is uh, waxing or is it on the wane? That's hard to say. I don't think that it's waning. Um, They have had an aggressive spring offensive, uh, as they promised. There have been attacks in provinces all over the country. Uh, Their control of territory uh, seems to remain the same, although those are difficult figures to track. So I think that this is a moment where there is a sense of stalemate, but not a sense that either side is losing. Uh, Therefore, it could be a ripe moment for uh, discussions of of peace. Um, Those will be long. Those will be years long. But you know, the hope is that this ceasefire, which is unprecedented, 
in the course of the battle between the government and the insurgency can be a first step. And maybe it reflects these underlying conditions that have changed. The other things that I would just mention, while the ceasefire announcement was, I think, a surprise, um, there are conditions that are underlying that show that there's maybe a different moment now uh, in the conflict to look at a political resolution. Um, so you had Ashraf Ghani in February offering a peace uh, talk that, without conditions to the Taliban. And you also had an international conference uh, a month later in March where the neighbors, the U.S., uh, Western donors said that they support a peace process. And so there are some building blocks here that can be worked on. Uh, again, Scott Worden with us, director of Afghanistan Central Asia programs at the United States Institute of Peace, discussing a ceasefire in Afghanistan. Uh, the Taliban, it's been it's been suspected that they often get support from Pakistan. Are they in any way, shape or form still getting that support? And is that affecting the ceasefire? Well, I think they are still getting support. Uh, certainly one of the key elements of the U.S. policy is to put increasing pressure on Pakistan to end that support. Um, I don't think there's clear evidence that uh, that there has been a significant change in Pakistani policy. However, in this case, I think Pakistan played uh, possibly a constructive role. There are reports that both Pakistan and China um, supported the ceasefire, and this is speculation, but I, I think there would certainly be communications uh, between those countries, and particularly Pakistan and the Taliban, saying, hey, do we favor this or not? The fact that the Taliban accepted, you know, I think shows that my read is at least Pakistan doesn't oppose it. Um, but look, Pakistan, I think, wants an end to the war as well. They just want it on their terms or terms that are favorable to Pakistan's interests. Um, you can only get there uh, with the peace process. And there, of course, you can get into the issues of who, who has more strength and what are the terms. All that comes later. Um, but I think with an opportunity, uh, we see that the region and Pakistan included wants something to happen where this isn't just an endless conflict. And Scott, I, I wonder, what is the, still the guiding principle? The, 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 I, I don't mean, mean to make this sound like a political race in the United States. Usually, you know, we talk about voters want something to vote for. But I wonder what the appeal of the Taliban is now and what is their end game and and why is it that they would expect people to buy into what their mission is? Well, that's a good question. From our perspective, they don't offer a lot uh, in terms of, of governance. Uh, but I, I think their argument, uh, I'm not saying that I endorse it, is that, one, they want foreign troops to leave. They consider foreign troops, U.S. troops, to be an occupying force, and that's against their vision of the country. Um, second, they want uh, more conservative traditional interpretations of Islam, which I think certainly the, the broad consensus uh, was that that went way too far when they were in control of the country. That is the consensus among Afghans. Um, but there, it does have appeal to uh, typically more rural, more conservative areas of the country. Um, so, you know, their vision is of a, you know, independent, you know, without foreign influence, um, Afghanistan that's more conservative, that has limited appeal. I think the other uh, thing that they're arguing against, which helps their cause, but doesn't actually, you know, mean that people favor them, is that, you know, in areas where there is fighting, um, they offer their version of peace if they can control an area. And people are willing to accept that for reduced freedoms. Um, that's in the short term when they're literally under the gun. But I think when you look to the 
future of the country and what Afghans repeatedly say in opinion surveys and the way they vote when there are elections is that they reject the Taliban's uh, vision of the future in overwhelming numbers. Um, and so there again, you know, if you can get to a peace process and you start talking about issues of what should be women's rights, uh, what should be the structure of the government, you know, that's where you'll see kind of where if you have a, an inclusive process, which you should, that's where you'll see where public opinion lies. And I think it will be much against the Taliban rather than for them. Well, we've got to wrap up here, but it sounds like an Afghanistan first protection racket uh, in, in some <laughs> ways is what I what I hear you saying. Scott, I appreciate your spending time with us on POTUS today. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for having me. Scott Warden, Director of Afghanistan and Central Asia Programs at the United States Institute of Peace, joining us to give us a a sense of the significance of a ceasefire in Afghanistan that the Taliban accepted to mark the end of Ramadan. As I mentioned a moment ago, there was a story about a provincial governor being killed by the Taliban despite this truce, uh, but they have to work out, as Scott said, the details on that and to see if it's actually been violated, but see where it can go from here. And we, of course, will follow. And the Twitter handle is at USIP. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.